And there we go. We're back again for our little mini Ramadan series on footballing heroes. And today we've got a friend of the podcast and a big friend for myself, Danny Siggers. Good to see you again. Brought a smile to yes. our face on this gloomy midweek day, which I'm not going to show you outside because it's quite dull where I am. How you been, Danny? You okay? Yeah, I've been really good, man. Been listening, keeping up with the podcast. I hope everyone's listening is doing really well. And if you're obviously going through Ramadan as well, hoping uh, keeping safe and doing well. Uh, yeah, really enjoying being back on the podcast. You know, I've always loved to be here and being invited on. So looking forward to it. And I'm going to take you back to episode three when you first came on and we did our West Ham five asides at the time. This is before we moved from five to six asides, but we we would pick in our five asides and a lot of us are picking uh, Fabianski or Jaska Leinen, but your footballing hero is someone that we didn't think of, but we all remember like, oh yeah, I remember him, but he has a lot, he means a lot more to you. So Let's introduce your footballing hero today, and that is Shaka Hislop. Shaka Hislop, man. One of the greatest goalkeepers the Premier League has seen, in my opinion, anyway, or in, in, the, in the open area, anyway. The, from going from Reading and being dubbed as one of the best goalkeepers there, uh, before then going on to West Ham and having a really long spell at West Ham, over 100 games for West Ham in that time. Uh, during the time that I was, get, I was born and I was getting into football, and every name that came up from a West Ham background was always about Shaka Hislop. Unfortunately, he then got he got substituted for for Stephen Bywater, and then again another great name in the in the Premier League West Ham era. And um, yeah, man, he's he's been one of my he's been my hero. He's the reason why I'm a goalkeeper. Um, not a lot of people sort of look at him as one of these goalkeepers. He was athletic. He was great with his hands. He was a great shot stopper. And for, for his time as well, good pass accuracy as well. He had the ability to play with his feet, which was not seen as goalkeepers uh, during that time. It was just how big and how tall you are. You look at, for, like, for yourself, you look at Van der Sar and you look at all these people, you can look at Czech. Like, they couldn't really play with their feet, in my opinion, anyway. So Shaka Hislop went above and beyond to be able to, to do that. And people may not rate him. That's, that's fine. That's fair enough. But... For me, he's my hero, and I would always remember seeing Shaq Islop in when I went to the Berlin and uh, watching him play. So that was a great moment for me. With me, because being being in that era, Shaq Islop was just another keeper from the Premier League. And I may have told you before, I had a, a West Ham fan, friend at primary school, and he'd always go on about Shaq Islop. And uh, Rob Green came in, but he was a lot more excited about Rob Green coming in because he was closer to the England team at the time. So yeah. I just wanted to know, how did you feel about that when Shaka Hislop was, we're going to jump right into it, but Shaka Hislop, before we go into his traits and his personality and everything like that, how did you feel when he kind of moved on when Rob Green kind of replaced him as the number one keeper at West Ham? It was a sad, it was a sad moment for him because you're like, you get, as a, as a, as a West Ham fan, as a kid, because you got to think I was, I was only like eight or nine when he was, when he was in the West Ham team. Likewise. Uh, you get, <laughs> you, you get, taken you get you get something taken away from you you're like oh like what happens now like he went off to Portsmouth and then he went off to the MLS and, and whatnot and and then sat I think he was retired for an injury just after, shortly after be like okay right you've got something huge amount in your team and he's just been taken away from you I was actually quite upset but like you said replacing him with someone like Rob Green who at the time England's we were looking at him at his radar and he was able to get some game time obviously we won't we won't uh, mention the the historic mistake. We don't we don't want PTSD on this episode. It's the fun episode. I don't want to be listening to this in Ramadan and thinking, oh my God, Rob Green with that mistake. It's not going to happen. <laughs> nah, we're, we're not listening to that. We're okay. We'll move on. Uh, 
Yeah, at the time it was a promising move. It was a it was a promising move, and I think he, he served his tenure. He only came back um, to help out with um, with Roy Carroll because he was a guy. That's the name as well. You probably have PTSD over being Roy Carroll. That Tottenham game, PTSD, the FA Cup final against Arsenal, PTSD. But yeah, <sighs> goalkeepers giving us PTSD this day. Oh man, I'm going to be listening to this in the car Sunday during Ramadan. I'm good, for God's sake, just, just worried all about these all these old goalkeepers. goalkeepers. <laughs> nah, man, goalkeepers but that's, a mistake. that's more or less it though, because we had so many goalkeepers at the time in the Premier League, like you alluded to earlier, that were literally focused on being a goalkeeper, a shot stopper, and someone that literally was there as tall and athletic to kind of stop um, to basically just stop goals going in. Route one uh, balls coming over a lot in the Premier League during that era as well. So we have to be strong. You have to be someone that was actually able to contend with the battle. And goalkeepers, goalkeepers probably still deserve the most protected players on the on the pitch at the moment. And they were even more even more protected at the time as well. But with Man United at the time, we had a keeper called Fabian Bartes who. Oh. Fabian Bartes, again, PTSD for all the Man United fans. This, this episode is going to be called PTSD in Ramadan. And everyone's going to get angry <laughs> at me. Um, but no, Fabian Bartes was someone who probably would be really good in this era of football in the Premier League. But in that era, he is a World Cup winner. He's a Euros winner for France. But in the Premier League, he was just a really good shot stopper. He was good with his feet as well, but he was also awful with his feet. He'd dribble more than he should do. He'd... Um, lose the ball in the penalty area, that whole Decanio incident you'd probably remember yeah. once upon a time. Um, but yeah, that's something that I really didn't appreciate from Fabian Bartes, the fact he was trying to be more than just the goalkeeper. And that's when you got Tim Howard in, in at the time to replace him the season afterwards, 03, 04. And Roy Carroll as well was coming through from Man United. But Tim Howard was a keeper that I really liked as a young football fan growing up as well. And whenever I was put in goal, Tim Howard was the guy I wanted to be. I wasn't too keen on Peter Schmeichel because he was before my time and he was at Man City and Aston Villa when I was growing up, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But with Tim Howard as well, he's someone that you could probably relate to Shaka Hislop as a commanding presence in the box. He wasn't the biggest uh, goalkeeper at the time, but he'd always make his presence known against anyone. And that's something I quite like. Like, you know, these people coming from North America, these players coming from North America or the Caribbean, they didn't get phased by Thierry Henry or Ruud van Nistelrooy or Michael Owen coming up against them and stand tall in a one-on-one battle and sometimes winning, mostly losing because of the quality of strikers they were playing. But with Shaka Hislop at the time, what kind of impact did he have on the defence and the goalkeeping situation at West Ham? It's exactly the same. So obviously I can look back at it now and I can see different things from like playing football myself and having the experience of just of going through my career as a goalkeeper. But both, like if you compare it to Tim Howard, obviously college soccer in America, um, a huge, huge presence. I think some people was like, there was a big thing between how actually tall he was at the time, whether he was 6'6 six, six or whether he was 6'4. So he, minimum 6'4, six, 6'5, six, 6'6. Six, six. Mm. Huge presence. And in the goal, like as a striker, you've got to be a little bit intimidated by this guy who's come into, come into England and playing for Reading, playing for all these sort of, we'll call them smaller teams. We won't, we won't belittle them that much, but not the at well the, known. At the, yeah, at the time, there were smaller teams, basically. Yeah. Yeah, like they're, they're league, they're division one teams. Um, and you th- you're thinking, right, okay, cool. I've got to try and actually beat this guy. And a lot of people actually couldn't because of just his size and his presence. But still, I think if, you, if he was to play for a bigger bigger side, he would have been such more as in a historic presence than he was now. Because I think if you go to any casual football fan uh, who watched football during that era and said, look, name, name me 20 goalkeepers, I don't think his name would come up. 
which Not is even a big if, surprise yeah. for me. Even if, even like that prime example on our podcast, name West Ham five aside, we're thinking of Fabianski, Jaskalainen, and even Rob Green didn't come up because of well, none of us like Rob Green because of PTSD for England. But Shaggy has not been come up. He wasn't the first on our minds. And it was just refreshing when you brought him up then as well. Because when I was just looking back after that episode of Shaggy Hislop, again, as an ESPN pundit now as well. And it's nice to kind of see him still in the game in some sorts in the USA. But that's something that kind of, I can appreciate at the time he was someone that wasn't from one of the biggest countries in football. Dwight York came from Trinidad and Tobago as well. So they were kind of flying the flag for Caribbean football at the time. So I'm thinking that's kind of something that a lot of Caribbean football just kind of looked at and thought, you know what, we can aspire to be the next Shaka Hislop. We can aspire to be the next Dwight York as well. But with you growing up as well, what kind of traits did you try and emulate from Shaka Hislop? Just, just his athletic presence, really. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, not six 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 four unfortunately so I couldn't take that into my game and just be this really long like tarantula style goalkeeper but just being athletic being uh, agile in the box being able to get to those top corners and try and uh, tip things over the bar or get down low and just be just a, the, the non-traditional goalkeeper of just okay right I don't care what technique I'm going to use to to push this ball over the bar or out wide just can I get a hand to it can I save my team and help them move forward and it's, it's funny that you mentioned for, for Trinidad and Tobago and, and whatnot, because the, the style of player, and I feel like they're in the culture over there, isn't actually what you would call traditional football or soccer mentality. Like you look at Dwight York and stuff. When he came into the Premier League, it was the same thing. It was just, look, this guy is not, is not the normal style of, you know, he's, not your, he's not your Shearer, he's not your Sutton at that time. He's, he's going to do something a little bit different. And that's why I think it was just, it was so good for me as a, as a West Ham fan to be showing these clips of, of this goalkeeper and be like like my coaches and my my dad and my parents and stuff being oh look at this guy look look at this guy he, he he's helping your team this is what you've got to do to help your team when you play football and I think that was just what really drew me to him I didn't I didn't want to be any like these guys I just wanted to be having having fun uh, helping my team and then supporting uh, the, the, the the GK Union at the time that oh, and I'll give it on my sleeve anyway. GK Union to the, to the day I die. So, Oh, man. That's like one of those unions that you just don't want to be a part of because when one of you gets attacked, everyone gets attacked. And it's, it's being a goalkeeper, you're always the villain on the pitch. You can never be... Like, literally, just... If we had Sky Sports analysis like we did in this day and age with Roy Keane and Gary Neville and all of that and Sky Sports, instead of just Andy Gray and uh, Richard Keith, it'd be like... He's doing his job. He's saving he's saving the ball from going in there. But exactly. with Shaq, he made so many incredible saves. And for Man United fans at the time, like myself, we enjoyed a lot of success against you at the time, which was great because we had the quality of players. But in the mid-table games and in the um, London derbies, especially, I remember at the time against like Fulham and um, someone else. You played against, it wasn't Tottenham, but it was someone else where Shaq Hislop had a really good game in a London derby and everyone was raving about him as well. It was Charlton. It was Charlton. South London, yeah. Yeah, it was Charlton, sorry. Charlton versus West Ham. There's a game where Shaq Hislop just runs the show. And I think it's like Jonathan Fortune, who had a really good header on goal and Hislop just saved it. It's ridiculous. And that's kind of when you get noticed a lot because when you're not watching these teams, you see these on the highlights and everything. You're like, Shaq Hislop, quality goalkeeper. And it's just something that players of this day and age can only appreciate because he did the basics so well. And that's what made him a consistent goalkeeper for West Ham, for me anyway, um, for such a long time. Yeah. Well, for me, it's, you've got to go to that penalty save in the in the cup final. We've just had the heartbreak of Steven Gerrard, Stevie G, just absolutely hitting it from however far out it was and it going in. Like People said he could have saved it. That, that 
you can't save that shot, unfortunately. Goes into the into the shootout, and that big save from from Sammy Hippier's penalty, and then we just can't convert ours. That was our moment. You've got Paul Konchesky scoring absolute screamers from left back. That's not the first time he's done it anyway. It's not. It won't. Wouldn't and it wasn't the last as well. He's got a lot more after that. <laughs> absolute screamers. And just uh, the, the heartbreak of, of watching it and being like, look, this could be the time that my my beloved West Ham come up against the greats. Because that's the, that Liverpool team at the time was was the one in the, in the Champions League era and just the one destroying teams week in and week out. Obviously, they, they didn't get a, a Premier League trophy to their name. But that team, was like, who was it? Who else was in that team? That was Hippier. So that was, that was a long line. So they won uh, the Champions League the year before and then the year afterwards when they won the Cup final in 2006. You had like Morientes, you had Gerard playing as a winger, Javi Alonso. Uh, you had Soko in there in midfield who's gr- uh, brilliant. Harry Kuehl, uh, Hippier, Steve Finnan. Yeah, uh, Finnan as well was a... <sighs> underrated right back as well. But Having even then... Carragher as well, wasn't it? A young, a young yeah. Carragher. Young Carragher coming through, Neil Mellor, young young Mellor coming through as well. Owen had left, obviously, for Real Madrid and came back to Newcastle. Yeah. Um, but even with that, that, that could have been Hislop's finest moment in the West Ham show. It probably is for some people, but he could have literally left West Ham with a cup in his hand. But annoyingly for me, I was at I was at the local shop getting some snacks for the cup final when Gerard scored <laughs> that goal, so I missed it. Everyone's like, Hamza, go quickly. It's only two minutes down the road. I left the house and then the newsagent was playing... Uh, the game and I saw that goal in the news agent. I was like, for God's sake, man. It's like everyone at home is going to be gassed. No one supports Liverpool or West Ham in our family, but everyone gets gassed for cup final. Whether whatever you're doing, we'll watch cup final together, the FA Cup. Yeah. But with me, even with like uh, Jersey Dudek and Pepe Reina coming through for Liverpool as well, Dudek had a really good effort, uh, Champions League final against uh, AC Milan, obviously, and he had a good cup run as well. But then Pepe Reina came in and replaced him as the first choice keeper. And that was just something that was inevitable. And even in this day and age, you can't really have two really good keepers at your club. If you look at Man United with Henderson, Romero and uh, De Gea at the moment, not all of them are going to get games and they're all going to be unhappy with the amount of games they're missing. So that's probably why Shaka probably had to leave. Because even at the time, you only had five subs on the bench for your games as well. And it was yeah. just one of those things that is you wouldn't be happy seeing uh, one of your favourite players on the bench like that as well. It wasn't great. No. Just, just to mention, you, you mentioned Pepe Reina. I think Pepe Reina signing is the, is the, the switch, the, the catalyst for the, the changing goalkeeper. When teams started to see Liverpool and Pepe Reina like, using his feet and that, that famous sideline, got that goal kick, teams started to like switch on and be like, OK, cool, we can actually utilise our goalkeeper as an 11th player. As you look at like the Edison now or... Who else uses their feet? Who's quite known for using their feet? Even like Butland. I, w- I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Allison. Allison's not in that in that ilk anymore after messing up a few times recently. Well, but yeah, Butland tried it, but he's too tall, I think. And just where is he? Is he still at Stoke? Is he still at your local? Nah, he's at he's at Crystal Palace, isn't he? For Jack Butland. Yeah, he went in January. Oh, okay. Didn't catch that one. I, I was talking about Pickford anyway. Um, <laughs> Pickford. Uh, the names, oh, which I was like, trying to think of the names. Both, both like, English keepers, so it's, it's cool. It's all right. Exactly. Uh, no. Terrible. Sanchez Sorry. from Brighton's a good one at that. I've recently noticed that was with Sanchez from Brighton. They lost yesterday, but that won't matter because this is in April. Um, <laughs> yeah, Roberto Sanchez from Brighton is a good one at that. Is someone that's kind of going under the radar with keeping the ball. Loris does it, but again, he messes up every now and then, which isn't great for him. He messed up in the World Cup final, which kind of shows when he messes up. So... 
But no, no I, I, I just think that, that change, the small change in just the, the the style of goalkeeper that's needed and required, which can help a team in that way. And I just, I think when you when you look at Shaka Hislop and you say, look, he he's he's probably just teetering on the border for me of just being able to do that. Mm. Was he going to go on and become a ball playing like thirty year old goalkeeper, thirty four year old? And probably not. So that was his yeah. time to go to the MLS and sort of see it out. Because that's when that's an interesting take, I have to say, because everyone will always go to the Pep Guardiola for Edison passing out from the bat, but no one really realised that's kind of when strikers weren't always these big target men that you alluded to, the Sutton, the Shearer, the Van Esteroys, um, players like that. You'd have like a lone striker like Jermaine Defoe for Portsmouth up front or Robbie Keane up front alone, just like that as well. So it wasn't always going to be lumps up front because teams are realising if you lump up front, they're just going to lose the ball and be on the defence again. So Pepe Reina, uh, when he had like Drubio Cisse as a lone striker or Morientes up front, who could hold the ball up. He wouldn't always go for the long passes. He'd give it to Hippia, who'd pass it straight to Gerard or Alonso. And Alonso would always drop deep in that position as well. Just he could do the long balls. He could begin a dictating play from that. So that was an interesting take there, I'd say, Danny. you got Garcia as well in that team. Can't forget Garcia. Luis Garcia, goal score. Goal score against Chelsea. One of the few times I I celebrated against... uh, I celebrated for Liverpool scoring when he scored that goal score. Did he? Did you? <laughs> I did. I did that, and yeah, but we'll keep it at that. That was we'll keep, that we'll was keep. Cool. We'll keep it. Ah <laughs> uh, no, but no. I just want to know if you have any Shaka Hislop memories um, from yourself, from whenever you went to the bowling grounds, Upton Park. Do you have anything that sticks in your mind, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to try that on the on the field next week? Not from not from my time, um, but there is one thing I wanted to mention, and I had it written down just because of just how memorable it was. Mm. So. West Ham, I think it was the like the, the year I was born, the 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 year after. Um, my, my my I think my family had a had the bright green Dr. Martin's goalkeeping top. I think it was sponsored by Fear at the time. Yeah, Hislop of the back and everything. Yeah, hmm. and they kept it. And I don't have it now, sadly. I was trying to look for. It. I've moved house so many times now. It's just as I don't have it with me. And but my first ever goalkeeping kit. They asked me what color it I wanted it to be. And it was the same, same color. Like it was a horrible green. I'm hoping you, if you can get a picture up of it, maybe for those watching, just get it up on the screen next. To about, probably about here, I don't know. But yeah, it was such a horrible. It was such a horrible color green, but I loved it, and it was just so out there, and it was just so like it, made, it brought the attention of like, like this guy is the goalkeeper. I'm gonna try and get it up so I can remind myself. But <laughs> uh, I just want to say thank you very much for your conversation today, Danny. It's nice to speak to you and to see you again. And everyone listening will probably wonder what the hell we were talking about PTSD and football kids, but we'll put this as a YouTube video as well. It was, it was fun to go through. Uh, but no, if there's anything you can take away from Shaka Hislop and you would tell your um, academy kids, what would you tell them to look at in Shaka Hislop's old video footage? Just look at how, in my opinion, he, he changed the game for West Ham over 100 appearances as a goalkeeper for the club. Um, from an unknown country at that time in, in world football. Um, take away his athleticism, his ability to, to be a dominating leader in the team and uh, his shot-stopping ability as well. But just go and look at his kit. Go and buy the kit. Anyone, If I see anyone on the street with a Shaka Hislop kit, I'll always go up to him. I think I've seen one or two people before at a West Ham game with that ugly kit on and I've always had to go up to them and sort of shake their hand and be like, look, you, sir, are a legend. Um, but yeah, Wearing just go a legend's and, kit. Exactly. Don't don't um, 
don't be normal in that sense. Go and find people that you can really love and you can find within football. Don't always be like, oh yeah, my favourite player's Messi or my favourite player's Ronaldo. Go and find these intricate players. Go and find these weird and wavy kits. If you turn up to a training session um, with your club when when we've restarted, hopefully we have restarted now, go and find a weird like Atalanta away kit from three seasons ago and uh, and get on that pitch and just be expressive. Don't Don't be a normal person. Being individual in that sense, like with me, I've started wearing my Japan. Well, again, when this has come out, I recorded. You'll see me wearing my Japan shirt a lot, which I'm really uh, passionate about. It's a nice design, and it's literally just a fun kit to wear because um, Adidas do really good designs for some countries like Nigeria, Japan, Colombia, etc. But for other countries, they ain't been that as great. But yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Always be individual. Don't always go as a as a follower for one of the bigger players. Go for someone who. If you're coming up as a footballer now in this lockdown period, who you seem to play like, if you're a, like with me, I always used to look at like Park Sung or Darren Fletcher, these energetic players who wants to break down and play. For this day and age, it'd probably be someone like N'Golo Kante, Ander Herrera, Jordan Henderson, perhaps, I'd say. Just people that actually want to break play up and help their team and give it to the more skillful, talented players who can actually score goals and stuff. So little things like that would actually help your game a lot. So... Thank you very much for listening. Danny, thank you as always. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Peace.